Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So please take a minute and visit NBCOcala.com slash stories to tell us your story. And if God has used this ministry to touch your life in any way, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. Help us to continue delivering God's word to the world. You can give online or through our mobile giving app. Today, we're hearing a message from our series entitled, Holy Wow. We're learning how to cultivate a life that truly honors God, a holy God, in an increasingly casual world. A favor and help us welcome our online audience. So glad that y'all could join us. Well, if you uh, are joining us for the first time today, my name is Lee Gilligan. I'm one of the uh, assistant pastors here, and it's always a privilege to be able to fill in for Pastor Tim. It's a privilege to spend Sunday mornings with you. And I've been teaching a handful of Wednesdays, but it's been a little bit over a month since I've got to be here on a Sunday morning. And don't get me wrong, I'm grateful that our pastor is healing. He is on the road to recovery. He's back in the saddle for the majority of it. But what's a guy got to do to preach around here, right? Making me wait a month. And then here's what I realized. It was all strategic. He waited till daylight saving. The bad one, we, we lose an hour of sleep, and then he generously let me, uh, let, let me have it. And if you have kids, you know kids don't observe daylight savings. All right, so our, our kids last night, they were just getting wound up when I was trying to go to bed. So it was a little rough morning. And then I get here, and my dad's already here. He parked in my parking spot. He's outdressed me. So he's making my job tough. But I love you guys, and I'm, I'm glad to share what God has put on my heart today. We're going to be wrapping up our series, Holy Wow. Have you all enjoyed this series? You know, it's, it's so important. It's so foundational that in, a, in the casual world that we live, and let's be real, it's very casual, um, that, that we know how to respond to a holy God, that, that we recapture a, a sense of reverence and, and recapture what biblical honor really looks like. And so that's kind of what we've been going through the last few weeks. And I would encourage you to go back on our website, our podcast, our mobile app, and uh, take advantage of those resources. Those are available to you 24-7 for free because we want the message to be with you wherever um, because, you know, there's power in that. So today we're going to be wrapping it with part four. And if we are talking about reverence, if we're talking about honor, especially in terms of, of, of who deserves our honor, who else besides God, right? I mean, he is God. <laughs> he, he's the all-knowing, all-powerful, everywhere-present, creator, sovereign God of the universe. And so if we are looking at honor in those terms, who's deserving of it, then obviously it's him. But I think that's part of the problem is we've reduced honor to something that someone must earn or, or, or someone uh, must be deserving of in order for us to give it to them. Because it's, it's, it's easy to, to honor God. Uh, he, he deserves it. But what about the people in our life that we think don't deserve it? Let's be real. In your life right now, there's people that you can look around, relationships, people in, uh, in places of authority, people you know, and you struggle at times to show honor to them because you think that they're not deserving of it. So today we're going to look at, yes, honoring people, honoring others, but really what I want to talk to you about is honoring those in a place of authority. So you can cue the crickets right there because I I know that this is probably going to be maybe your least favorite uh, of the four weeks of Holy Wow, Uh, because all of us at some time or another struggle 
with authority issues. We struggle to, to submit or to honor people in certain places of authority in our life. We have, we have parents, we have coaches, we have bosses, we have um, community officials, government leaders, our president. We have all kinds of people that are authority in our life, whether we like it or not. And it's no secret that there's some authority we don't like, some that we don't agree with, some that don't see eye to eye with us, some who don't perform their job the way we think they should. And so because of that, we struggle to honor them. And I think we need to get back to recapturing what does honor really look like, especially in regards to authority. Because I think you will find out as we look at that, by honoring authority, we are in fact showing honor to God. And so here's the deal. Today I didn't come to make you feel good. Hopefully some things I say will make you feel good. But ultimately, I came to speak the truth today. Because it, it, through the truth, I believe there's conviction and I believe God wants to work in our heart and maybe reveal some things to us. And I've had people after both services come up and, and thank me and say, it didn't feel good, but I, but I needed it. I, I, this was right where, where I'm struggling. And, and I'll just be transparent. If I'm sharing it up here, usually it's overflow or it's a result of something that God is already dealing with me on in my life. So we all, have, we all have authority issues, and it's important we understand how to honor those in authority. If you have your Bible with me, or if you have your Bible, turn with me to uh, Ephesians 6. Verses 1 through 3, and you may know this verse, says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Honor your mom, honor your dad, it will go well with you and you will live long. Have you heard that verse before? When I look back to being a a child, the first verse I remember hearing was this verse. That's because this is the first verse that was taught to me. This was the first verse that my parents drilled into my thinking. The first verse that I memorized or, or, or could recall. And I remember many nights laying in bed, staring at my ceiling, thinking, I am going to die young. <laughs> I'm going to die young. I have not honored my mom. I have not honored my dad. It is not going well with me. And I will not live long in the land as a result. And it's funny how little kids can wrestle sometimes with the deepest questions of life. Some of of the deepest things, life and death, heaven and hell, right and wrong, simple but so very deep. And some of the questions that they come up with regarding that. And so now as a parent, Gavin will stump me all the time with with certain things. And a few weeks ago I was tucking him into bed and I I prayed for him and I went to hug him goodnight. And these tears well up and he starts crying. I said, what's wrong, bud? And he said, when I go to heaven, I won't get to come to this house and I won't get to play with these toys anymore. (laughs) I said, who told you that? He said, they taught me at church. (laughs) So he had me there. Thanks a lot, nursery or or class. (laughs) And I said, well, here's the deal, bud. When you get to heaven, you won't care about this house. You you won't care about these toys. You won't care about anything here. Heaven's going to be so great, so far beyond anything we've ever experienced here. And so he sat quiet for a minute thinking about it. And then he said, but when I get to heaven, I won't even know anybody. And I said, yes, you will. And so he continued thinking. He said, well, I'll know God and I'll know Jesus, but I don't know any of God's people. So quickly I scrambled to think of someone he knows who's in heaven. And I said, well, you, you'll know great grandpa Greg. He goes, yeah, but that's it. <laughs> kind of crossed his arms. And I said, well, give it time. Soon enough, there'll be plenty of people you know there. But we don't got to worry about that for a while. 
But it's funny how kids can, can wrestle with, with some of these issues, especially a verse like this. I was convinced, like, it's not going to go well with me. I'm not going to live a long life. But this is a very uh, a serious command because it's a, it's a reference back to the Ten Commandments. It was the first commandment that had a promise attached to it. It was the first commandment that was associated with human relationships. And when we look at, you know, God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. He gave, uh, well, he didn't give. The, the Pharisees concocted some 600 and something commandments. But then when Jesus came, how many commandments did he have? Two. Two, Two commandments. They said, teacher, what is the greatest commandment? He said that you would love God with everything you are. And that the second commandment of equal importance is that you would love your neighbor as yourself. Now, I see a certain flow taking place here that basically if we love God with all our heart, that will flow into the way we love others. And then in return, by loving others, that love flows back to God. So here's the deal. I want to teach you today the title of my message is called The Honor Flow. The honor flow. And it's the same exact process except relating to honor. That by honoring God with all of our heart, that flows into the way we honor others. And then in reverse, by honoring others, by honoring authority, that is in fact honoring unto God. You get that? So here's what, if you you walk away today with anything, the big idea, the main point is this. To honor God, we must honor those in authority. To honor God, you must honor those in authority. I don't think you are showing full honor to God by withholding honor from those in places of authority in your life. There may be some of you who are about ready to walk out, or maybe you wrote that down in your notes and said, don't remember this, (laughs) because we have authority issues. I I don't know the the situations in your life. I don't know how your boss has treated you. I don't know the the, the parental issues you may be having or or, or your views on on our government and our elected officials. It, It can be hard sometimes. We don't always like authority. We don't always see eye to eye, but we have a job to honor them. And by honoring them, we are honoring God. So let's establish what is honor. What is honor? Our our, our culture, our our society has done a great job of ruining the concept of honor. Today's generation has watered down the concept of honor. You may have a limited understanding or a a misunderstanding or, or some of you maybe no understanding of what honor is. And when you look at entertainment, when you look at Hollywood, when you look at the news, it's become cute to be dishonorable. It's funny to make fun of mom and dad. It's funny to to get a laugh at the expense of our leaders and those in authority. That's become the subject matter of family sitcoms and and late night shows and political satires. And and I'm not going to be stuffy. I'll admit, like, I've laughed at stuff like that. But what's happened is it's become so excessive in our culture that it has crept into the way we think about others. It's crept into the way we view leadership and authority, and it has watered down our sense of honor to the point that you can look around and wonder, is there any honor? Where is the honor? You know, I get on Facebook sometimes, and I'm just disgusted. I'm I'm in a constant battle of, I'm just going to delete my Facebook, because sometimes I'm so drained and more discouraged after I log in to see what other people are doing. Because people can just, like, there's like this false confidence you get when you're behind a screen and behind a keyboard. You say things you would never say to someone's face. You say things about situations that you would never express person to person. And especially in a political season like now, 
we, we get on, you know, I'm talking family, friends, acquaintances. I'm talking you guys. I see your Facebooks. You get on and, and, and we're on our soapboxes if we're standing for our convictions and our values. And that's fine. Do so. But you know it's actually possible to speak up for those things without berating the other people that you don't agree with. It's possible to stand for what you believe in without trashing someone in a place of authority or leadership. That's actually possible. You should try it sometime. But, but, here, but here's the deal. And, and, I, and I'm just as at fault as anyone else. That's part of the reason I have to shut my Facebook down because I'm always like, oh, I want to say something so bad. And I don't. I, I refrain. But where's the honor? I, I look around and I see, I see kids whose parents are almost encouraging or teaching them to question authority. Where has the honor gone? And, and in a lot of ways, we have reduced honor to something that we think it's our right to withhold it based on certain criteria. That, that if people meet certain criteria, then, then we have the right or the, or, or the past, the excuse to not honor them. For instance, if, uh, based on their performance, this person in authority in your life, if they do not perform the way you think they should perform or, or do the job the way you think they should do it, then you have the right to withhold honor from them. Maybe it's something as simple as whether you like them or not. Let's be real. There's probably elected officials or candidates that you don't like. There, there's, there's some that you like more than others. And, and we think, well, because I don't like them or because I don't like my boss or I don't like this person in the way they, that, that they view things or are handling things, then I have the right to withhold honor from them. Maybe it's, it's, it's more personal. It's, it's, a, it's a person or, I mean, um, a parent or, or a boss. And, and because of proximity, a way that you feel they've wronged you or they've not showed honor to you, you think, okay, they dishonored me. I have the right to dishonor them. I will withhold honor because they have not been honorable to me. And I want to let you know that these are wrong. This is a wrong approach. I don't believe there's ever an excuse to not honor someone because Jesus loves all of us. Jesus values all of us. He honors all of us. And so if you claim to be a follower of Christ, you have a job to honor the people around you. There's no excuse when it gets to the authority level. Y'all are very quiet. That's good. It's not good, but I know God's working on you. Um, We, to some degree, have confused respect and honor. Uh, Would y'all agree that both respect and honor are, are very important? They, those are, are good things. And, and they're very similar, but I think we'll find that respect and honor are not the same thing. Respect involves politeness, courtesy, kindness, manners, all those things. And while it is an aspect of honor, it is incomplete on its own. Honor is, is, is beyond that. Honor, it, there's more to honor. And I want to show you this grid, kind of a comparison between the two. Respect focuses on someone's behavior or performance while honor recognizes the value of that person. Value, that is a key word. Respect acknowledges a person's position while honor attaches worth to the person. Respect teaches manners and proper behavior while honor teaches appreciation for that person. Respect is an outward technique, and while honor is something that is expressed outwardly, I believe it stems from an inward position of the heart. Yes, respect and honor, they're similar. Yes, they're both needed. They're both good. But here's the difference. Respect must be earned, but honor is something that is freely given. Respect is earned, but honor is given. And I believe that we have a job to freely give honor to those in a place of authority. 
But let's be real. At, at, at times, does it, when you look around, your circumstances, the situation, it could be your home, your workplace, the classroom, the, the government, or the economy, anything, to look around and see a set of circumstances, and even though you know someone is in a place of authority, it appears as though they're not doing their job, or the way they're doing their job has led to the chaos of this state. And so you, you kind of ask the rhetorical question, you're stating the obvious, who's in charge here, Right? You, you know someone's in charge, but it's like they're not even doing their job. How can I honor that? And to, to kind of make it personal, there was times in, in my life growing up where you know, I'm the oldest of five kids. Okay, and so you get to that place where your parents stop leaving you with someone else when they go out or go out of town. But they say, We're gonna, we trust you all to stay on your own. Well, being the oldest of five, guess who the authority figure was? Yours truly. So, so I, I was left in charge and there was expectations placed on me to, to handle the situation, to, to, to be the leader, the authority in their absence. And many times they would go have a peaceful couple days or a peaceful night out and they would return to find circumstances or a situation different than when they left. <laughs> and it would cause my mom to look me in the eyes and say, who's in charge here? Like she knew I was in charge. She knew she left me in that place. But based on what she returned to find, it appeared as if I was not doing my job. Many times I would convince my sister Elise that there was like an intruder in the home. And so I would hide in the closet while she would walk around with a flashlight and, and a knife to make sure everything was okay. So just picture my little sister with this knife. When mom found out about that, she was not happy. There was other times where she said, I'm still not happy about it. It's under the blood. There was another time where I took everything sweet that I could find in the kitchen, sugary, chocolatey, whatever, from the pantry, the fridge. I took it, I mixed it all in a bowl, and that's what I served to my siblings for, for a meal. Um, there was a time where I took my brother Josh and Pastor John's oldest son Sam out to the backyard, and they ran up and down the fence with their shirts off, just wearing bathing suits while I did airsoft uh, target practice. Things like that. Those were not the type of things she was expecting from my leadership or my authority that would cause her to say, who's in charge here? You're not doing your job. And I, now that I have my own kids, I'll come in the room and there's toilet paper everywhere. There's juice spilled. The fridge is hanging open. Something's broken. And I'll look at them and say, who's in charge here? And then I remember, oh, wait, I've still got this one. I'm in charge here. So looking at your life, looking at your, your circles, your, you, the authority that's been instituted in your life, it's very easy sometimes to look around and to say, who's in charge here? No one's doing their job. The state of, uh, uh, of what I'm experiencing does not give me much reason to want to honor this person in a place of authority. And you've got to be able to ask the question and answer it for yourself. Can I honor this person from my heart, even though they don't give me much reason to want to honor them? We've all felt that. Can I honor this person from my heart, even though everything they're doing on the outside doesn't give me much reason to honor them? I think sometimes we get it very backwards from the honor flow. And what we do is we think because this person sees so differently than I do, uh, the, the way they act and express themselves conflicts with my beliefs. And so in order to honor God, I'm going to withhold honor from them. We think that that's like honoring to God. And, and he, it, it's backwards. He wants us to honor authority regardless of if we agree with him. Don't you know that they are subject to his authority? It's not our job to judge them. It's not our job to call them out or to correct them, but to trust God and realize our job is to submit and to honor and that God holds the cards. He's going to work it out and we just need to stick to the honor flow. 
when we, when we look at the New Testament, Paul consistently talks about submission to authority. He, he consistently talks about what it means to submit and to honor, both in the household, in the community, and the government. He does this in Ephesians, Colossians, Corinthians, Titus. Uh, he does it in Romans. We, we see this as a reoccurring theme. And, and because of that, it's obviously very important. And he says in, in Romans 13, verses 1 through 2, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. It's pretty clear. There is no authority except from God. Whether that man or woman is using their authority in the way that God would desire, whether they are being a good steward of what they've been entrusted with, that is not our job to point out. Our job is to realize that their authority is subject to God's authority and that ultimately at some level he allowed for them to be in that place of authority. So we have to just step back and trust a God who's in control, a sovereign God who's not surprised by someone who is in a place of authority. Going down to verses 6 and 7, it says, For because of this you also pay taxes, for the authorities are ministers of God attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, and honor to whom honor is owed. Now it's kind of funny there, it may have stood out to you, that he calls the authorities ministers of God. This doesn't mean necessarily that they're doing the work of Christ or that they are in vocational ministry. Really all it means is that they are in fact servants of God because ultimately their authority comes from God. Their authority is subject to the authority of God. That's why he refers to them as ministers of God. Um, And then going down to that last line, it says, Respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. This is important because, again, it shows that there is a distinction between respect and between honor. And while respect is earned, honor is something that is given. Let's go on. Peter, 1 Peter 2, uh, 13 through 15, it says, Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to the governor as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. I find this uh, very interesting that he says, Be subject to every uh, institution, every authority for the Lord's sake, right? We, we, we claim to be followers of Christ. We are created in his image. People associate us with Christ. We have his influence. And so when we are submissive to authority, Christ's reputation is on the line. We are, as believers, should be submissive to the governing authorities just as Christ himself was submissive to authority. That's so important. Going on, Jesus, he talks about honor in Matthew twenty-two seventeen 17 through 21. Okay, so we have the Pharisees, and as, as they often do, they are trying to ask a question or say something to get Jesus to respond in a way where he will contradict himself or to say something that would go along with their agenda. And so they pose this question, verse 17, tell us then what you think. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? So Jesus, he, he's no fool. He, he, he knows what they're doing. He's not caught off guard by this. Verse 18, he says, why put me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin for the tax. And they brought him a denarii, and Jesus said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? They said, Caesar's. Then he said to them, Therefore render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. He's like, 
Whose name? Whose inscription? Who is on it? Caesar? Okay, then give unto Caesar that which is Caesar. Submit yourself to the authority. But in so doing, we, we know that by honoring authority, we're honoring to God. Jesus is essentially saying, if you're going to give unto Caesar that which is Caesar's, then surely you will give unto God that which is God's. This applies to our worship. This applies to our giving. This applies to our honor. If we're going to go through the channels and we're going to honor those who have been instituted on a, in an earthly capacity, then surely we will give unto God that which is due to him. Honor to whom honor is due. And we are in the, the day and age, really, of I look around and I see a bunch of conspiracy theorist Christians. One day we're so encouraged, so built up in our faith, nothing can go wrong. And then one person can can win win a seat or win win an office or or one law can get passed or one thing can change, one little thing, and we lose our cool. Everyone starts freaking out like this is the end of the world. And just maybe, just maybe, the God who created the universe, who is timeless, who is before all, who knows all, just maybe in his sovereignty, he's not caught off guard by someone who might hold just a temporary seat in a, in a government position, right? Maybe we can get some more sleep at night. Maybe we can recapture our peace, realizing that this doesn't catch God off guard. Sure, there's people in places of authority, and sometimes we wonder how they got there, but God is in control, and ultimately their authority is subject to his authority. Now, sometimes you're like, we got some really bad authority. I've got some really bad leadership in my life. But I think we can look at the the scriptures and we can look at the Old Testament and see people that we've never seen the likes of rulers like there. Think of Nebuchadnezzar, a a brutal, tyrannical leader. uh, and, And some of the things that he did. But even him, his heart was softened towards God. And, and, and Daniel, uh, if you know the story, in Daniel 2, Nebuchadnezzar has this dream. He doesn't know what it means, and so he, he, he calls for his, his wise men and his astrologers to come and to interpret this dream for him. Well, when they're una, unable to do so because of the leader that he is, he puts them to death, right? And so then Daniel, as, as a miracle of God, he comes before the king, and he successfully interprets what this dream is saying. Well, Nebuchadnezzar is so astounded that he promotes Daniel, a child of God. He promotes him to a prominent position as one of his most trusted advisors. So we move on, looking into into Daniel chapter 3. And you may know this part of the story. Nebuchadnezzar constructs this gold statue and issues this decree that everyone, when they hear the music, they're to bow down and worship this statue. Well, Daniel's friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they say, we're not, we're not bowing down to that. We, we're not worshiping this statue, this false god. And so they are quickly ushered before the king. And as, as a result, their judgment is that they will be thrown into a fiery furnace as hot as they can possibly make it. And so they go in. Three guys go in, but there's four seen in the flames because the presence of God is with them, protecting them. And when they come out, they're not burnt. Their clothes aren't singed. They don't smell like smoke. And Nebuchadnezzar, the same guy who had them thrown in there, he verbally blesses God as a result of what he's just witnessed. He doesn't stop there. He he goes on to say that anyone who speaks against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, your life will be in ruins. You, You will be punished because there is no God who saves like their God. God, God is beginning to soften his heart and to, and to work on him. And so he still doesn't have it all together. When we go on and in, in, in heading into Daniel 4, he has another dream. And so Daniel says, this is serious. This is a, a warning 
You need to heed this as a word of caution. Ultimately, God wants you to humble yourself before him because your authority, your influence, your resources, your power, all those things, this is not your own. Your authority is subject to God's authority, and you need to humble yourself. Well, Nebuchadnezzar does not heed this word of caution. And so as a result of God's judgment, he's driven insane for seven years, like completely crazy. And after this time passes, when he finally has his sanity restored, uh, when he has his sanity restored to him, this is the point at which he falls on his knees and humbles himself before God. And he says this in Daniel chapter 4, verse 3. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, for all his works are right and his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. If God can turn the heart of a man like this, then surely he is capable of having an audience with our leadership, with our authority. Surely he is in some way able to get through to them. Amen? They will stand accountable to God. It is our job to honor them and to submit to the authority and trust that God knows what he's doing. Proverbs 21.1 says, The king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he will. Ultimately, this is the the main point. God is in charge of those who are in charge. God is in charge. Y'all believe that, right? And so as a result of him being in charge, he's even in charge of those who are in charge. As we prepare to kind of close this out, a few minutes ago I referred to that key word of value when it comes to honor. Value is so important when understanding Honor. The Greek word for honor is time, and it means value or price because honor is all about value. And the level of honor that we give is determined by the value that we perceive. The level of honor that you and I give to someone or something is determined by the value that we perceive. If we see someone or something as valuable, then we will honor that someone or something. Make it personal. Think about a car. If you value an automobile that you have, then you're going to do what? You're going to take care of it. When you value, when you honor, you put something into something. Say it's your education. If you value the education that you are paying and making sacrifice to, to earn, then you're going to put something into that, right? You're going to invest yourself. You're going to study. You're going to discipline yourself so that you can get something out of that commitment. This is the same for relationships. If you value the people around you, then you're going to honor them. A few minutes ago, I said how Jesus, he loves us all the same. He values us all the same. He has called us to honor each other, to love and to value one another. Think of the word of God, right? If if it's just something that you get up and read because you know you're supposed to, you might not get much out of it. But if you value it as the inspired, God-breathed words of our Father to his children, I believe you will have a new appreciation, a new value for it, a new honor for it, and you will put something into it, and I guarantee you will get something out of it. Honor is all about value. And when we value something, we honor it, we invest in it, and we will get something out of it. I heard this story recently from Pastor Craig Rochelle uh, from Life Church. And he was speaking at a, a, a pretty large leadership conference. And there was a, a number of keynote speakers, pastors, and business leaders, and uh, authors, and all kinds of people. And he had already spoke, and this was the last session. It was going to be former President George W. Bush. So as he's sitting in the crowd waiting uh, for, for uh, President Bush to arrive, he was sitting next to a guy who was just totally trashing the former president. He said, I never liked the guy. I never voted for him. 
I didn't like anything he did. I disagreed with all of his decisions. He's just going on and on and on. He could have stopped. He could have just said, I, I didn't really, pre, you know, like him or whatever. But he went on and on to berate the president. And so Pastor Craig just kind of describes how he just sat there and just kind of minded his own business, let this guy just kind of vent. Uh, we, we've known people like that. And he said a few moments later, the, the side doors open, uh, Secret Service enters, they start playing Hail to the Chief, and everyone in the place stands up. Well, here comes former President George W. Bush holding the hand of the First Lady. And they start to walk towards the podium. And so everyone is standing on their feet, clapping, cheering. And he says he looks over to this guy right next to him, who just moments before he would have thought hated President Bush. He said the man was standing there, completely humble, clapping with huge tears running down his face. And he said this, he said, in that moment, we were no longer Democrats or Republicans. We weren't fans or critics. We were simply citizens, freely giving honor. Freely giving honor. Love God, love others. God loves us. He values us. He honors us. And and, and we have a job to honor everyone around us, especially those in a place of authority. Quit putting terms on it. Quit, quit putting qualifications and, and, and acting as if someone has to be completely deserving or completely like you in order for you to honor them. Realize your job is to submit and to honor. And if we look at honor in terms of value, what happens a lot of times is we, we'll, we'll look at ourselves sometimes as more valuable than others. That's pride. But the opposite of pride is humility. So when we humble ourselves, I believe we're quicker to value those around us. And when we value them, we can, in fact, honor them. The two commandments, love God, love others. By loving God, it flows into your love for others. And by loving others, you are loving God. Well, think about it. The honor flow. Honor God with all of your heart. Not only does that flow into your honor for others, but I believe it gives you a greater capacity to honor someone, regardless of who they are, regardless of what they do or what they've done. And by honoring that person, you in turn are returning honor to God. This is the honor flow. Did you get anything out of this today? Thank you, Jesus. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Meadowbrook Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at MBC Ocala. 